The following audio is via a Skype call. Perhaps this scientific method could be extended to other fields of learning. Perhaps I could lead the way to a new age, an age of rebirth, a renaissance. Nah. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell, a double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mance and Mitchell on the weekend in your ears and hoping to stay there for the balance of this hour. One of the ways we can do that is through the good efforts of our good buddy, our new friend, Nathan Six Foot Six Miller. Nathan, how are you doing, Stretch? Hey, hey, AKA the tall guy. And believe it or not, Stretch was actually my DJ name when I was up at Western Washington University uh, doing my own radio show up there. It had to be. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> little, and play I, on I end... little play Go on ahead. Stretch Armstrong there. Well, or Stretch Cunningham, the Bob Hope of the loading dock. Mm hmm. He's too young to remember all in the family, so he just goes, mm-hmm. That's an Archie Bunker reference. Oh, is it? He thought Stretch Cunningham was hilarious. He's the Bob Hope of the Loading Dock. Some of us, we're boomers. We yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and Nathan, by the way, I envy you that radio experience in college and the fact that you went to Western Washington to go to school in Bellingham to get a college education to be cheek by jowl with Blaine and the border and the Peace Arch and Vancouver, the metro area. What an experience that must have been. Oh, yeah. I mean, that lifestyle is still thriving up there. There's lots of local businesses and uh, bright colors going around. And just the community up there, it's very uh, involved with the local aspects. Great place to be Good. a hipster, too. We, mm -hmm. we spent some time in Bellingham and, and enjoyed it last time we were in the Seattle area. Absolutely. I know a great place for some Asian fusion. If anybody wants to know, they can contact me. You'd have to go to some trouble. You must really love your Asian fusion. <laughs> Nathan, glad to have you with us today. And we are delighted to have Kimrel Manor back with us. I had the pleasure of interviewing her on the half-hour broadcast podcast that's how i refer to it as a broadcast slash podcast same as us and it's called american road trip talk and we got into some subject matter that i believe we will touch on today but of course with another half hour to play with we have other things to discuss besides and we're always delighted to have kim join us would you like me to do the by the, the mad props here for kim why don't you okay i'll do that we'll get rocking and rolling Kim Marcel Romaner is founder of Possibilities Amplified and an expert on the science of amplifying possibility into reality. Author of The Science of Making Things Happen, Kim helps people, organizations, and communities tap into the power of possibility. Her 25 years in business leadership ranges from serial small business ownership to Fortune 500 executive experience. Until quite recently, you would have found her living full-time and traveling the continent in her RV with her retired husband, Michael. Lots of stories there. Kim Romaner, welcome once again to Mance and Mitchell. Gary, I'm so happy to be here. The energy is always so high. I love it. Well, us too. And, you know, you've been with us now for 10 years because I went to look up the records and it said that your very first visit with us was in May of 2010. And so you're now really one of those old friends that we've never met in person. 
And uh, we, we have quite a pay. few of those. Yes. And, and this is your ninth time coming on our show. And so that is great to have you back. We, we have always talked science with you up until about a year ago or so. Uh, we're talking about quantum thinking, how to turn possibilities into reality, how you can change your thinking around in order to make that happen. And then we got very interested in your road trip when you got in the RV and spent so much time on the road. When we were talking about the topic for today's show, Gary and I were kind of going back and forth between talking about your trip, and this might all just be one big, you know, spaghetti bowl mess anyway, um, but, but also partly going from being on the road every single day to now sheltering in place every day. What a change that must be for you. Your freedom is gone, girl. It's quite stark, but I will not agree with that statement because um, freedom, in fact, if you, I'll quote Arthur, author C. Wright Mills, who wrote, freedom is not merely the opportunity to do as one pleases. Neither is it merely the opportunity to choose between set alternatives. Freedom is, first of all, the chance to formulate the available choices, to argue over them, and then the opportunity to choose. So if you retain your agency and your right to select your choices, to make the choices, then you still have freedom, don't you? Well, I would agree with that to the extent that, to use a real-world example, you can reopen the movie theater. You just can't make me buy a ticket. <laughs> right. Yes, I think some of us will still be isolating even after they start opening everything up. I think um, that would probably be very safe. But, you know, so we're having to make a different set of choices under these circumstances. The choices that used to be available to us are not anymore. But there, there are new choices opening up all the time. So, for example, Michael and I are doing a ton of bike riding because that's something we can do while in isolation. And he used to do, like, centuries, 100-mile-long um, bike rides, and sometimes for days and days in a row across the state of Georgia. And uh, so he's a bit better than me. But um, the other day I went for the longest bike ride I've ever done, which was 26 miles. And we're kind of in a competition with my son who got a road bike and he had done 23, which is why we did 26. And so now he has to do 30. And so, you know, we're having different opportunities. We're taking different risks. We, we're, we're availing ourselves of the different choices that are available to us now under these unusual times. You know, Kim, this is exactly what we wanted to talk about today. And that is thinking differently, and in, in your book, The Science of Making Things Happen, you talk about how to think, look at things differently, get a new perspective, think about things differently in order to, um, you know, have the life that you want to have. And what Gary has been saying for the past month or so is, this is our opportunity to reboot. So when you are, are rebooting are you thinking about things differently now? Um, totally. You know, as I, as I said to Gary on Trip Talk yesterday, um, uh, I moved to South Florida. We got off the road from RVing around to, to be near my family, and now I can't get anywhere near my family. So, you know, we're, we're staying connected to the extent that we can by phone and by FaceTime. And, 
and all those other opportunities. But I just I gave a, a talk to about a hundred insurance agents on Thursday, um, and uh, that was great for me because um, somebody asked me to do it in a week you know, in a week's time, which meant I normally would spend more time than that customizing a presentation and delivering it. But people need this messaging, which is that all possibilities still available to you. Um, and so we have to work on how we're going to um, amplify those possibilities into reality. So I totally believe this is a reset opportunity. And if you take the time to create that crystal clear vision of the future you would like to have once all of these restrictions are lifted, I mean, this is an opportunity for you to restrike that vision. So what kind of life do you want to have? What do you want to have in it? As I tell my audiences, I'm not having just one life. I'm having one life after the other, and each of these new lives has new people in it and new geographies and new adventures and new experiences. So, for example, right now I'm teaching myself to paint. I'm working on the third novel in my science fiction trilogy. I'm using this time that has opened up for me to get my creative brain really going, and um, and in you know growing my imagination, and this whole situation is is so to guy to use a Japanese word. It's it's beyond the imagination. We never really could have imagined that something like this would happen in our lifetimes. And so, why don't we stretch that imagination to consider all the other things that are possible for us as well? I want to throw this one at you, uh, Kim, by way of extending this line of discussion here. I don't know if I have the word correct. I think I do, but my Japanese is a little rusty, which means it's non-existent there. But the Japanese <laughs> word with which I became familiar more than 20 years ago is Haroshi. By contrast with what you and Michael do, you go out and you plan these adventures, you make them happen, you revel in them. There were and may still be, for all I know, thousands and thousands of very busy, high-pressure, executive, mental management types in Japan, most of them male, not all, but most, who are found on a Monday morning, slumped over, dead at their desk from overwork. They don't even dare take a vacation. Is that still a phenomenon? You know, um, I think it is. I don't think that piece of their culture is going to evaporate overnight. Um, I'm hoping they're giving themselves a break because we, um, as human beings, have a tendency to judge ourselves too harshly. And when you culturalize it, it becomes really, really dangerous. And so, um, you know, we need to be aware that um, the things we think are important, and, and unfortunately, um, the economy is one of them, we think money is so important when if we would come together as a global community and support each other and work together to find solutions to our problems, we would get so much farther, so much faster in my, my belief. We spend so much time in conflict. Um, you know, this, this judgment doesn't help us either when we're applying it to ourselves personally, which is something I talk about quite a lot in the science of making things happen, because when you're judging yourself like that, you're putting yourself into uh, protection mode or conservation mode, survival mode, and your body is using all of its energy to survive. And that's why 
some of these Japanese businessmen and women, too, um, die because they've used up all the possible energy they have struggling to achieve a, a goal that was probably not in their best interest to begin with, obviously. Um, and when we're in growth mode, when our body is in growth mode, we are, our cells are working, we're building new things, we're creating proteins. But when we shift all that energy into emergency mode, it's not available to us anymore, and it narrows our field um, of vision on, on what is actually the opportunities that are actually available to us. So I have not heard that that, that, that has changed significantly. Have you? I have not. There, and I wouldn't be surprised if it continues because Japan is one of those puzzles wrapped within a conundrum for me. It makes it fascinating as a, a place, a people, a culture, but I don't think I could live there. I mean, for example, this is something I did see on a documentary on CNN. So you know it's true. But uh, there was Christina Monpour interviewing people around the world. And when she got to Japan, she discovered that couple, I'm talking married couples, not only don't make love hardly at all, which accounts for the decline in their birth rate. Same thing going on in Europe, by the way, and here. But in Japan, it goes beyond that. For them to avoid public displays of affection is just understood. But it's gotten to the point, Kim, where for a man to make a verbal protestation of his love for his wife is considered socially awkward. It's just not done. And so she was encouraging, Christina Manpur was encouraging, and I think working with some people who were encouraging, Japanese men to openly say to their wives, I love you. And one of them starts screaming, I love you. I love you. <laughs> there, and it became an act of social revolution to tell your wife that you love her in public. Gosh, they sound like the British royal family. <laughs> well, that's true. No PDAs, that's, please. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and so when I, I look at various civilizations, various cultures around the world, I just marvel at how people make their various adaptations to life, whether or not it works for them or not. So Japan's trying to figure itself out. All these years, how long have they been around? They've gone through so many cultural shifts. It's amazing. And now here in the, the post-war world, the new millennial world, here in the 21st century, it's almost like there is an internal sense of social dislocation. It's kind of a, a fractured mentality between the way they would like to live and the way they feel they can live under the constraints of a society which still has Confucianist roots, let's face it. And you know what happens with that, Kim? When they start doing that, you wind up making love to a robot. You go into, oh you go into stores and, and you're dressed up like a mermaid and you're a guy. Or, you know, you, you find yourself uh, opening up a museum to tuna or something like that. It's just bizarre stuff that they get into, and people get off on these various things. But robotics, oh, my God. In Japan, you see, this is where I think it shows up. It's how uh, sexuality can get so funky. So kinky, yes, but, I mean, weird. They're because you have people there who now would find comfort in the arms of a sexy Female robot, she could even be blonde instead of being black-haired, as is characteristic of the Japanese. She can be anything you want her to be. Dress her up however you want. And then you have this 
intimate relationship with a non-living but mechanically astute entity, and that becomes your way, your manner of sexual self-exploration. When I see something like well, that going know. on, it was in this documentary, mm -hmm. it's kind of frightening to me because what about all the lonely people, as Paul McCartney sang decades ago, all the lonely people? Well, so you're, you're reminding me of the incels, the involuntary celibate, men oh, yes. who are really, really, really angry at women who, because they don't want to have sex with them. So, you know, and that that's happening all around the world. So, you know, I think that kind of dysfunction um, is symbolic of how we've moved away so far from our core values of love and care, compassion, kindness. Um, that we can't figure out how to be with people in a very productive way um, and in a loving way. And so, yeah, it's, um, and, and here's the other thing, you know, you get something going like that online and there are deep, deep dive chat rooms and stuff that you can get into that are just going to back up every angry feeling that you have and encourage you to do really bad things, as we've seen uh, around our country in particular, involving weapons and children and that sort of stuff. Um, and so how do you combat that? How do you, what is, the, what is the possibility thinking around changing those mindsets? We don't want to start censoring people, um, but that, that Internet access makes it so much more available to everyone both the love, I hope, and but also this this hate or this feeling disconnected from everything. So we, you know, I know we're all struggling to find those answers. You guys run into anything in your conversations with folks lately that you think is hopeful? I'll tell you one of the things that's on my mind about all of this, Kim, is that I've been uh, tracking as well as I can on television what is happening to people's psyches? And mm -hmm. I've got some speculation, but no facts to back this up. Actually, one fact is with so much time being spent together, there is an increase in spousal abuse. So that's, mm -hmm. uh, that is extremely unfortunate. But uh, what I have not yet determined or read anything about is I'm wondering with all this stay-at-home stuff if we're going to have an increase in the population in about you know eight or nine months. So I'm kind of wondering where all that leads because people are now home together. And because there are um, couples at home together, it seems to me there's two different ways to go. And one way would be to discover how dissimilar you are and maybe you just don't want to have this partner anymore. But the other would be just the opposite. And that would be that you would rediscover the, the love and the romance and the caring that you had for that person, especially in light of the fact that we are in some pretty dire circumstances. People are dying. So you look at your partner and you, you know, you say, I could take care of you, you could take care of me, or we could both be dead. And so I'm, I'm wondering if there is an increase in affection also going on because of the pandemic. It's like the pandemic has thrown a big, a big uh, stick into the spoke of our, our wheel here 
but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's all bad. There could be a, a pretty good mix, I think, of things that are going better than they were and things that aren't going as well as they were. That's that's just my opinion about it. Well, and I think that um, that you're. I hope that you're absolutely right regarding the the growth of affection. I mean, my my husband is a very um, spiritual person, a very thoughtful person, and uh, between the two of us, we're figuring out how to um, be more loving with each other. We're talking about it actually, and we're we're also developing new kinds of tolerance because each of us is handling the stress of this situation in different ways. I'm very frustrated that I can't be with my family, which is why I came here. Um, and he moved here with me, never having lived here before. So he doesn't have um, friends locally that he can talk to. So we're spending a lot of time on the phone. But for each other, we're giving ourselves more space. Um, we're uh, doing projects together that maybe we wouldn't have done as much prior, like we're we're learning to cook new things together, you know, so that we can we can spend valuable time with each other, enjoying the time that we are together. And so, um, you know, Michael has is a golf addict, and he went out to find a place he could hit golf balls, and um, uh, none of the golf courses are open. And so he went to various fields until he got to one where nobody kicked him off of it. So um, I wanted him to name it Romanner's Run, but it's called Michael's Meadow. And he goes over there and hit his balls, and that's what he went to do in order so that I could focus on you guys and have this conversation today. And so I sure hope you're right that, that that's coming out of it. And, Gary, you were talking about um, the, the young people coming up that are going to be taking over this world. And I'm actually very hopeful about the millennials because they've already been through some stuff. You know, they watch their parents getting laid off left and right and understanding that there's no such thing as corporate loyalty anymore and that money might maybe not the most important thing in the world. So I'm very curious to see what they're going to bring to this whole equation. Now, the kids that are being homeschooled right now by day drinkers, <laughs> They're coming up in 20 years or more. Uh, I'm not so sure about those guys because everybody's coping to the extent that they can right now. I just saw that funny line somewhere, so I thought I'd throw it out there. Well, what, what's funny about that is Gary and I are not day drinkers, but we do have happy hour, and that was never a thing in the past. I mean, uh -huh. we've gone months or years without drinking, and we really don't care one way or the other. But it's like now we have these little rituals that we do to kind of make our day, uh, you know, a little reading in the morning, a little happy hour in the evening. And I and I find that those rituals are, are kind of nice, like nice glue for the relationship to do things that are kind of regular. We're walking every day. We take a, a 20 minute walk every day around the block. So just to do a couple of ritual things, I, I think also kind of helps if you're doing those together. I agree. Yes, it, Michael and I usually meditate together in the morning. I'm sorry, Gary, go ahead. No, please finish. So we have a routine. We go out on our balcony. We read for a little bit, catch up on the overnight news. We're, you know, both from, from the media world. And then we do a meditation together. And so, you know, we're finding this new rhythm ourselves. And so um, I think that kind of thing is very positive. 
I also believe that any opportunity you can find to laugh um, and get your chemistry realigned um, with the, that positivity. I'm, I've become a huge fan of TikTok. Do you guys use that application? No. Okay, so it cracks me up. Not just, just really, really short videos, and you can just flip through them, flip through them, flip through them, and it cracks me up. It makes me laugh out loud, and that has been a lifesaver, but it's very addictive. So if you're going to check it out, be careful, because if you start it in the middle of the night because you've woken up, you will be still looking at it at 6 o'clock in the morning. But to me, that's been a great tool just so I can giggle to myself about people doing really funny things during this whole difficult time. I had my sister-in-law sent me one TikTok that was so funny. I was howling mm -hmm. on the couch, and then I resent it to another five friends so that they could get a laugh out of it, too. So I know what you're saying about TikTok, but other than the one that I got sent, we haven't actually gone on it ourselves to look. But I do like that thing about just, you know, finding humor and laughing because I laughed so hard I knew that I wasn't laughing uh, enough, uh, not enough. Mm -hmm. I had, um, for my birthday, uh, a girlfriend sent me flowers. And when she was trying to um, remind me to, you know, go ahead and clip the bottoms and they'll last longer, and she's being very sweet about it, there was an autocorrect from Petals to Pedro's. I have no idea how it happened. But now we have a running joke about, well, the vase, there, some Pedros fell. So we have falling Pedros <laughs> from the flowers. But if you can just find that little humor in nonsense stuff, it, I think laughing every day really does help. And, and I, I have to say that, you know, for the most part, I've taken this whole pandemic pretty seriously. And we have sorely limited our trips outside the house. We just, you know, do not want to be victims of this. And so we have not been to a grocery store more frequently than once a week and sometimes once every 10 days. And we're, we're really doing our part to stay home. And, um, and so I'll, I'll notice when I'm laughing, you know, and I think that that, that humor really helps in, in situations that uh, do have some dire overtones to them. We're very fortunate, you know, because we have lovely homes to, to be staying in uh, during this time. So, um, oh, God Michael's bless been the doing homeless. a lot of volunteering. Yeah, we don't have enough exactly. resources Mike, for them already. Right. And Michael's volunteering at uh, Feed South Florida, packing food and stuff like that. And we're doing what we can. I'm doing motivational stuff for nonprofits um, in town and things. But, um, yeah, so we were talking about laughing. And I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to bring that thought back. So I'm going to throw it to you, Gary. Okay. Over to you, Gary. I like that. You've done this media <laughs> stuff before, I can tell. It's time for a break, actually. We'll collect all our thoughts. So Kim Romanner is on the Manson Mitchell Show. We are glad for the chance to interview her. We are just glad as can be that you are listening to this broadcast. Michael is out playing golf, and somewhere in Tokyo, a guy is yelling at his wife because she forgot to plug in his robot overnight. So that's the state of the world right now. 
And there's so much more to talk about. On the other side of our one break of this hour, we want to talk to Kim, who is author of The Science of Making Things Happen, about how she made something wonderful happen. It happened last year before all of this showed up. Happened last year, she went on a continental RV road trip, and she has stories. You will love to hear them when we come back. We are Manson Mitchell, and you are attuned to Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to mansonmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids, parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. Challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We're a couple of baby boomers who bring you a talk radio mix of metaphysics and music, politics, and pop culture. And you never know which celebrity will join us for an interesting conversation. Mance and Mitchell is Boomer HQ, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on 1150 AM KKNW. Your home for alternative talk in Seattle and Western Washington. There's a reason they invented the internet. It's called 1150kknw.com. The following audio is via a Skype call. Thank you, Thomas Dolby. Science. 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 The science of making things happen. The author, Kim Marcel Romanner. Kim, if people would like to get your book or connect with you, what are the ways in which they can do that? 
You're certainly welcome to send me an email at Kim at possibilitiesamplified.com. That's possibilities, plural, amplified, past tense.com. That's also my website, www.possibilitiesamplified.com. And I would look forward to hearing from anybody. Yeah, that would be pretty exciting. Let us know. People write, you know, okay. we'll be interested. And say you heard her on Manson Mitchell. <laughs> now, the book that we <laughs> have right. is The Science of Making Things Happen. We think of you as a quantum thinker. And this is back from 2010. But I also heard you say you're you're writing some science fiction, a, a trilogy. I am. Uh, it's a future dystopian uh, trilogy. I read a ton of future dystopian stuff, and now when I write in my journal, I'm writing sentences that I never thought I would write in real life. It is surreal. But yeah, this uh, series is called. Uh, well, it's it's there's obviously three books, so it's it's integrated, segregated, and disintegrated, and it's about a time in the future when the rich and powerful have have developed technology to integrate their past lives into their present ones. So everything they used to know, uh, all the money they made in the previous lives that they've lived, um, languages they spoke, skill sets they had, all that stuff, they get double and triple and quadruple as the more lives they, they, uh, they uh, integrate. So um, it's a lot of fun. Um, I'm a behind schedule on the novel, but I'm just going to keep plugging along here and doing a pretty good job on my daily work count. So, yeah, but I also wanted to tell you, thank you for asking. I also wanted to tell you about, um, about some other nonfiction books I have, which you can find on Amazon. If you look me up, Kim Romanner, um, I have, uh, a book about what, what to do now that you've been laid off 10 strategies for, for successfully finding a job and um, how to start a business also. So um, those things might help people right now who are looking for um, what they're going to do next if they have been one of the very unfortunate ones. So just some ways to make money um, and also how to re-enter the workforce when the workforce reopens itself. Gary frequently talks about left brain, right brain, and it sounds like you're using both halves, the creative side as well as the logical, analytical side. So I'm glad you I'm, uh, I, you shared that with us. I'm trying. And, and uh, before we left, we were talking about laughter. And um, I think good nutrition is an important part of using both sides of your brain. And I'm very fortunate because I'm married to a senior citizen. So I get to go to the grocery store for the senior citizen hour before it opens. And at our, at our grocery store public, um, the staff and the managers are standing at the door with paper towels and toilet paper. It's like heaven over there during the seniors. I wouldn't be able to get out. I would be barred from that if I was going all by myself. So just get well, you, you youngster, you. And congratulations to Michael. For, <laughs> we congratulate Michael for robbing the cradle. In the meantime, in the meantime, we've got Kim Romanner here who made a wonderful road trip. And it's important to know right at the outset when you hear about this saga, her husband, Michael, is retired. Kim is not. People say, well, pff, you know, she decided to hang it up. They sold some stuff. They went. He's retired. They've already got that licked. No, it's the product of very 
conscientious strategizing such that with crystal clarity, they knew what they wanted to do and discovered how to go about it, and then they made it happen. And this glorious road trip has brought adventures galore, and it yields some stories, stories from the road. And Kim, I would love it if you would share some of your favorites with our listeners right now. Okay. Well, so yes, we, um, my husband was retired at the end of 2017 and we knew it was coming up and I, um, we both knew we did not want to retire where we were in Augusta, Georgia, although we love the town and we have great friends there. We, we really wanted to, to be somewhere else. And so I got on this, on this RV thing and, um, found some amazing podcasts about the life. And then I got Michael involved with the, the vehicular aspect of it because he's a car and vehicle nut and so he started looking at fifth wheel trailers and trucks and that was it i had him hooked and so we um we basically sold our house and just about everything in it and hit the road and we went um up the east coast we went on a cruise with my mom out of boston which was 10 days, the New England cruise, which is just a little bit too long, especially when so much alcohol is involved. It was a toxic kind of trip, but it was super, super beautiful weather for that. Across the top of the country, um, met so many people. You know, there are people that are living out there that have been out there living on the road for like 10 years. We have a couple, John and Alina, who, who we're very good friends with. Her... Um, her nickname is Cece, which stands for Crazy Cuban. <laughs> and, um, we've So we've got very close with them, and we would actually go and travel to meet them at various campgrounds. We spent um, a, a, a winter out in Casa Grande, as they say it out there in Arizona. It's Spanish, so it's supposed to be pronounced Casa Grande. Kind of drove me crazy a little bit, but um, with Michael's sister and her husband, um, and you can learn so much when you're on the road. Out there, I learned how to do glass fusion, um, and I took a watercolor class, and my sister-in-law learned how to make pottery. And so, you know, there are, there are a ton of amazing experiences you can have when you're out there. Um, we, we did come back down to South Florida, and we almost didn't make it because... Um, uh, we had some some oh, the trees. I have to tell you about the trees first. <laughs> so we are driving down the road. Basically, if you're going to do RVing, be careful of the trees. They are dangerous. Michael and I pulled over. We got off the exit of the highway. We pulled over to the side of the road just to check our directions because we weren't feeling like really confident in them. And we pulled over in front of this beautiful cottage that had these beautiful trees along the curb. And the shoulder was so wide. But this was in the beginning of our travels. And Michael wanted to make sure we were really far off the road. And all of a sudden we hear, <laughs> and I'm saying, stop, 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 <laughs> And, of course, one of the boughs of the trees was hanging heavily over the road and running the edge of the roof along that tree limb and I'm outside trying to push the RV away from the tree or tree away from the RV like that was ever going to happen and so stuff like that just happened you know you, you but you become capable of managing anything out there so 
one day I opened the the, the uh, cabinet under the kitchen and it was full of water. And we ran down to Ace Hardware and got what we needed and got under the RV and solved the problem. So, um, you know, it's a it's a uh, it's you become very handy as a result of it. Um, so I, you know, Gary, you and I talked about a couple of stories. Is there one in particular that you wanted me to share here? One of the ones that I like that I actually, you mentioned it, and I didn't get a chance to talk about it because time was was tight, but I'd love to hear about it. Let's talk about Christmas and then New Year's when you're on the road in an RV. I've never celebrated those holidays in that way. And I would be in a situation where I wouldn't even know with whom I am celebrating. That must have been something else. Yeah, so campgrounds have Christmas. And New Year's. And so um, we you'll see the decorations. We would walk at night around the neighborhood looking at everybody's decorations. Um, they were it, they, people really get into it. Um, we sometimes would have fireworks on New Year's. And so if we could be with, with some of our friends, we would do that. But usually in our case, we would come back down to South Florida and do Christmas here with the family. But, but even in the campground, we would stay here. You would have these lights. Like I was very fortunate for me. Mom has, well, more Christmas decorations than I will want to sort when she's no longer with us. And so um, she loaned us a little tree and a lighted wreath. We put the tree inside and we, we put the lighted wreath on the outside so we could participate like everybody else. And so it's, um, you know, the holidays ha- happen. So Fourth of July, you'll see the whole place full of red, white, and blue. Um, you know, that stuff doesn't stop because you're on the road. And um, so, yeah, was that what you were thinking about? Yes. It's it's just this idea of having a given set of circumstances. You're on the road with a bunch of other sojourners and you decide to celebrate. There's an organic quality and an immediacy to it that I find kind of exciting. Yeah, Kim- it, it is a lot of fun. It's, yeah. I wanted to ask you a, a question that is very much pertains to your book, The Science of Making Things Happen. How long sure. do you think it took you and Michael from the inception of the idea that, you know, that you wanted to take a, a part of your lives, get this RV and go on the road and see the country until the day that you actually left. What kind of time frame are we looking at for the gestation of that idea? I think I would say it was about six to eight months. And we, um, we knew that the retirement was coming. And we, uh, we planned all up to Christmas. And then we went down to we bought the we actually bought the trailer and the truck and we packed it up and we went down to South Florida for Christmas with the family and stayed in a campground for the holidays and then we went back to Augusta and we we had already put the house on the market I mean we put the house on the market probably three months prior to that came back more aggressively priced the house hired an estate salesperson to sell everything in it and uh, and then when it, we, we signed the closing documents, we left that day. So we had no reason to stay anymore. So we, we went to the lawyer's office, signed, and left and began the journey. And it was amazing. And this country is so beautiful. Um, 
you know, we're things that I, I didn't think I was going to be so impressed with when we started out, like Mount Rushmore. It's huge. I had no idea it was that big. Um, we learned about you know, Mount St. Helens. We went to, um, you know, the Rangers talk about the history and what happened. And you, you're flabbergasted by understanding that the whole Colorado River was filled up with lava and and. They actually had to, and also the whole highway was covered with lava. They had to build a whole new highway um, in order for people to get back and forth the, from where they, you know, where they used to. And, um, you know, that you find that the whole lake there was full of um, that very porous lava rock and covered the whole surface because the stuff floated on top. And so just the things that you learn while you're out there, um, we went through a town, it was called Ten Sleeps. It's an Indian town. And um, we visited another town called Mosquito. You learn about the, the fact that the Indians and the Mormons were both persecuted then, living amongst each other, um, trying to have the lives they wanted to, to live. Just fascinating, fascinating stuff out there. It's amazing. Gary and I have discovered the same thing in our own road tripping is that no matter where you go, there are surprises around every corner as to either the geology or the history or the people who live there or something about that area that you had no idea until you arrived. And so I guess it's one of the reasons why we enjoy travel so much and, and so when I, when I hear about your travels, I'm a little envious. And at the same time, I don't know if I could do it. Do you give yourself credit for courage in, in changing your lifestyle so dramatically? Well, you know, I, I feel like I'm a pretty, uh, I have high risk tolerance. Um, you know, like I jumped off the tallest building in New Zealand, the Sky Tower and stuff like that. And there's different kinds of risks. So there are some risks that I'm, I have a very small postage stamp size comfort zone about. But there are other things that I, I really go, go forward with with pretty good ease. And as I mentioned to Gary, I went to 13 different schools when I was a kid. So we were always moving from one place to another. And so I'm used to kind of that life where I'm going to be in a new place. And like this, this condo that we rented here down in South Florida, we have gotten so comfortable in it so quickly. It's, it's like home already for us. So, but yes, I think some people don't have that kind of risk tolerance for this kind of lifestyle change. They feel if they turn off the life that they have now, uh, that they're not going to be able to rebuild it or get it back. And so they're afraid to take those risks. Um, so, but I encourage that kind of risk taking and if you if if what i did is too much for you then what could you do that would be a smaller version of that that would uh, you know create that kind of comfort for you um and, and try that out so like you know we michael and i ran a half marathon and a marathon and i remember the first time i ran six miles in a row on a treadmill my mind just went poof could not even believe it my my own brain could not believe that I had done that. And then, of course, you go on to the training program and you're, not, you're doing 13 miles and 18 miles and 20, and then finally you run the race. And so we, we I think we don't stretch ourselves enough in the places where risk would really help us to grow our comfort zone so that we could be more and more comfortable with more exciting things in our lives. I agree with you. 
And I also realize that it doesn't have to be treacherous. There are always danger. You can always have some drunk on the road, whether any, you know, you can fill in the blanks yourselves there. But the idea of getting out on the road to experience what is there to be discovered is very exciting to Suzanne and myself. Three years ago, we got into our SUV and we packed our duddies. We didn't want to overpack, but we took enough. And of course, you go to various places and if you have the souvenir gene like me, you want to pick up a t-shirt and a coffee mug mm -hmm. at a lot of places. So we did that. It was a round trip. We went between Sarasota, Florida, and as far north as Vancouver, BC, a lot of time spent in Seattle. Then we headed across the northern tier of states to Chicago, where we stayed with Suzanne's brother and his wife. And wouldn't you know, as we are arriving in Chicago, planning on being there at least a few days, here comes Irma. And it mm. roared in the, the eye narrowly, the wall of the eye narrowly, and I mean by a matter of a few miles, missed the center of Sarasota. So the city by and large was spared, though there was some damage, including to our roof in this villa we occupy. But I mention all this to say to you that we went on the road for 71 days. We didn't have an RV, but we did have an SUV. And we had our material possessions, such as we needed, with a few luxuries, on our backs, as it were. And we got all the way out to Seattle. And in between, we had these revelatory experiences. Suzanne still raves about Yellowstone. I didn't even think I was going to get mm -hmm. there. I honestly felt like, you know, yeah, Yellowstone would be great. You know, I don't know how I'll ever get there. I didn't live places where it was easily accessible. And yet there we were. And we got out to uh, Seattle. We got to see what it's like today. There, there are a lot of challenges there, but it's still the Emerald City as far as we're concerned. We got to Devil's Tower. Remember the uh, wonderful scenes at Devil's Tower in Wyoming from Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Another place I never thought I'd get to. We not only saw it, we hiked around it. Amazing experiences. If you have your health, if you have that mobility to whatever degree, you can do as Kim Romaner and her husband Michael have done, and that's plan with crystal clear vision of forethought. You can plan where you want to go, and there are any number of themes that you can explore. I'll give you an example, Kim. There are people that want to go to every national park. I don't think that Suzanne and I are going to get to all of the national parks, but we have it in mind to go to several more on the next couple of road trips. We want to keep adding them one and two at a time. There are people, and I know you're aware of this, there are people, sports nuts, there who want to visit every Major League Baseball stadium or every stadium where there has been a Super Bowl, that sort of thing. This is the fun. You get to create this, it becomes a vision, and then it's up to you to manifest it as wisely as possible, knowing that it can be done. And I totally agree with you. And um, I don't think we're going to be stationary forever here. I think we're going to hit the road again at some point. I mean, as we were getting off the road, Michael was grieving getting off the road while we were still on the road. And so finally I said, stop it. You know? But he was talking about buying an, a littler truck and an Airstream so that he could still take off when he wanted to or we could go together if, if I could get away from, from my work. And so, um, you know, we, we have that in our heads. We're, we are going to continue to do our traveling, not just in this country, but, you know, around the world. And um, I think you can figure out how to do it. Like the very first time I ever went downhill skiing, 
I was 18 years old. My mom was had just started um, her relationship, had been in a relationship with my who, the man who became my stepfather, and they were together for 35 years before he passed. And when I got on the plane, I'm looking at the price of the ticket. I'm looking at the cost of a lift ticket. I'm thinking, okay, there's going to be a condo or a hotel room I'm going to have to rent. And we were a very poor family. And when I all of a sudden when I was out there, I realized standing there on the snow and the sunshine with skis on my feet, you know, learning. I had learned how to ski within a couple of days. I thought, you know, I, I could do this all by myself. All I have to do is save up a little bit of money and I can come out here. It was like to me before it was like something people did in magazines, you know, jet setters. That's how far it was from my reality. But once I had the experience of it one time, it just opened up my world like crazy. So get out there, people. Have those experiences. Expand your comfort zone and more and more possibility will become available to you. Well, I like that. You know, you're talking about these various levels of of risk about certain things. So it may or may not be travel. It is for us and it is for you. But the idea of stretching your comfort zone a little bit to just have a little bit more life in your life, no matter what the area is, um, you know, a a good thing to do and um, a good thing to have your possibilities amplified. You talk about that in the science of making things happen is how to make them happen from a scientific nuts and bolts perspective. That's one of the reasons that I enjoyed reading your book is that there are certain things you can do to make the things happen in your life that you want to have happen. And, you know, you do need to be clear about what those things are. Get, get clarity on the vision first, and then, you know, could be days, weeks, or months, and all of a sudden you're doing that thing that is kind of stretching you too. And I think that's good. Agree. Agree. We're, we're at our... Uh, we are at our out time, but yes, the possibility amplification process is something anybody can do because the universe doesn't work the way you think it works. Read the book. Read the book, The Science of Making Things Happen. <laughs> Turn any possibility into reality. Kim Marcel Romaner, R-O-M-A-N-E-R, if you want to look her up. Possibilities Amplified is her website, and thank you so much for being with us today, Kim. My pleasure, you guys. Take good care of yourself. Stay well. You as well. Our best to Michael, and we will talk again soon. Who's coming up next, Suzanne? Jupiter rising. It rises once again. Eileen Grimes, Doug Johnston, making it happen right here on AM 1150. Stay tuned for that, and stay safe and healthy and happy, everyone. Have a great week ahead. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.